1: Jessica so coming up ashley simpson right here on the vip With ashley simpson i'm so excited <laughs> and I she said i want to be a role model two girls to
0: Take a peek into the lives of the Simpsons sisters, Jessica and Ashley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I am your host, Leah Russo, and today I am welcoming you to this podcast. Welcome to the very first episode. Now, I have to be honest and say that the Ashley and Jessica cast premiered in October of 2020 and What you're hearing right now, my voice, I'm coming from February 2024. I wanted to re-record some of the early episodes of this podcast, kind of like Taylor Swift. (laughs) So this is going to be Leah's version. I have just learned so much about podcasting in the last three years. And my first episode, this one that you're listening to now, is one of the highest... Listen to episodes because it's the first one and I know when a lot of people discover my podcast They want to go back and listen to it from the beginning, which is amazing Thank you so much if you're one of those people and i've always been kind of embarrassed about it because the sound was really bad and I just want to re-record these early episodes because I know that I can make them better and you guys my listeners you deserve that because you have taste if you're here It means you have taste So I started this podcast because I obviously love Jessica and Ashley Simpson, and I wanted to cover their music, their reality shows, and everything in between. And from October 2020 to January 2022, I basically just focused on them. But then I expanded to other pop culture as well. So we still cover Jessica and Ashley, but it's just they have to share the spotlight (laughs) because... I have been so pop culture obsessed since I was a baby, basically, and I just felt like I was limiting myself by having it be only about two people when there are so many topics that I want to cover. So I hope that you will enjoy this re-recorded episode. We are going to get into Jessica's early life prior to newlyweds. So in order to prepare for this episode, I reread Open Book. I think it was my fourth, maybe fifth time reading it. And I also did some digging. I tried to find as many interviews as I could from back in the day so that we could get Jessica in her own words from back then. And of course, (laughs) I'm the host of the Ashley and Jessica. So in general, I just have a lot from memory that I could probably just sit here without any research and just talk about Jessica. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you enjoy the re recordings and all future episodes of this podcast. I'm so grateful that you are here. And yeah, let's just get into the life of Jessica Simpson. Jessica Ann Simpson was born on July 10th, 1980, in Abilene, Texas. And her sister Ashley, who Jessica said that she prayed for, she prayed for a little sister, was born on October 3rd, 1984. And don't worry, there will be another episode where we get... Deeper into all things Ashley as well. Jessica started singing when she was very young. She grew up singing in the church because her dad was a minister. Now religion was a huge huge part of Jessica's life and I think we all know that as fans of her we would always see her reference God and talk about God and her being religious was definitely a big part of her image in the early days as well, which we will get deeper into that a little later. Where'd you start
1: singing? I started singing in the church. My dad's a minister, so, you know, I've been singing ever since I was like five in the church choir and competition, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, that's really the core of my music is the gospel. Right. I, I'm sure most of you hear it in my voice. That's, you know, that's where it all comes from. So. Yeah. And that's probably a pretty good background to have, right? I mean, that's real training. That's real yeah. singing, you know? Yeah. because it's from the soul. It teaches, right. Gospel music teaches you how to really sing. Right. And do you have, like, some like a vocal coach who goes out with you or somebody you work yeah, with? Yeah. I definitely do back in Dallas. And she comes and flies out whenever I really need her. Um, I've been in vocal training since I was 12 years old. So. Right. Been working hard. <laughs> yeah, you have been.
0: So, in one of her first interviews with Pop Star Magazine, don't you miss all those magazines, man? Pop Star, Tiger Beat, Teen Beat, BB Blast. Oh my god. So she told pop star I started singing when I was like five church stuff My dad was a minister. So we always did little plays and stuff like that I grew up singing in the church. So I have a real gospel feel to my vocals I did dance classes went on dance competitions. That's what I did as a little kid I was definitely into the whole performing thing and she really was in fact There is a video of her performing in high school She's performing as well as anyone that you would see on a Broadway stage. I mean, she really could have gone in that direction with her training as well, but instead, she mainly was on the Christian circuit, and then when she was 12 years old, she got an opportunity to audition for the Mickey Mouse Club. Now, we all know about the Mickey Mouse Club. Of course, this is where Britney Spears, J.C. Jose, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling, etc., got their start in the business, and Jessica unfortunately did not make it on the mickey mouse club she was really intimidated by a lot of those kids because Brittany, justin christina they had been performing professionally already at this point so even though this was kind of their big break they had had other gigs and they were just further along than jessica was which was surprising to her because they were all kids you know she didn't expect there to be these mile-long resumes but they had them and so they had been on things like star search and jessica had never been on tv so all she had was a regular photo of herself she didn't have a professional headshot she didn't really have a resume and even so She got past the initial audition and she was flown out to Orlando, Florida to do this audition camp. So what that is, is in order to prepare you for the final audition, they would have kind of like a workshop for the Mickey Mouse Club down in Orlando. And you would take a lot of classes and you would work with acting, singing, and dancing coaches to make you the absolute best that you could be for this audition. And... Jessica. <laughs> Unfortunately, her final audition, she had to sing after Christina Aguilera. Can you imagine following Christina Maria Aguilera? I that's unfathomable to me, especially at 12, because you know <laughs> Jessica has an amazing voice, but when she was 12, she was 12. When Christina Aguilera was 12, she had the voice of a <laughs> 30-year-old soul singer from the 60s. You know, I mean, Christina, really, you don't want to play. Like, there's no, you can't play with her. It's just, I completely understand why she blew the audition. I, myself, sometimes have a rough time at auditions. Like, I know I can slay a performance, but then in the moment, in the audition, I blow it. And it's just, I have so many moments that I will cringe forever on that. So, I feel like I totally relate to Jessica. And that must have been so disappointing and upsetting for her so she told pop star, I had absolutely no experience going in there. I walked in and sang Amazing Grace acapella. Justin had already won Star Search and Britney had been on Off-Broadway. I was just a little minister's kid walking in and singing Amazing Grace. It was really intimidating. I didn't make it, but that's when I really knew that performing was something I wanted to do. I just absolutely loved it. I fell in love with it. That's when I really knew that I had a talent for it. My family was really there for me. It was hard, especially because I was 12 years old. At 12 years old, you really struggle with a lot of self-esteem issues. My family was like, you're not quitting. I got into vocal lessons and I kept working on my craft and here I am. I stuck in it and I came through really good. So proud of her because I feel like for a lot of kids, that would be it. You know, that would be curtains. I mean, when you hear that the competition is Christina Aguilera and Britney Spears, it's just, it's not Jessica's very brave. That's all I have to say. Jessica had kind of a hard time growing up in school. She was bullied for her body because she developed a little bit earlier than the other girls. And I can completely relate to this as well. I literally started wearing a sports bra in second grade. And by, I think, fifth grade, I was wearing a fully regular bra. I basically had my adult-sized boobs when I was 12. So it just was horrible. Like, I remember getting made fun of and girls throwing tissues at me and saying, here, why don't you stuff your bra more? And I was like, I – this is just me. Why why is this bad? Especially because I watched so many movies and TV growing up. So that kind of put a spotlight on women that were large chested and that was supposed to be good. So I didn't understand why I was getting made fun of for it. Obviously, it was girls that were probably jealous that they weren't developing at all. And it was the same situation with Jessica. She was tortured over it. She had people spreading rumors about her. And then on top of it, she was obviously an amazing singer and she stood out in that way. So there were even a couple shows that she tried to perform in as a kid and the other moms didn't want to let her do it. This also happened to Christina Aguilera, funnily enough. They said that Jessica was going to be stealing focus away from their kids. I also relate to this. It's so weird. Now, no, I'm not as good of a singer as Jessica Simpson, but one of the reasons why I love her so much is because I feel similar to her in a lot of ways. This is no shade against Britney Spears, but actually, one time at a variety show, I was told that I had to sing a different song because I was singing a Christina Aguilera song, and they said that I was, quote, showing off too much. And so then I decided to sing Every Time by Britney because even though that's a beautiful song, it's not like a belty type of song. So I sung that. I wanted to sing Cruise by Christina, which is so of my all-time favorite Christina songs, but they wouldn't let me because they said it was showing off. And I'm like, isn't that the fucking point of a talent show? (laughs) Last time I checked, talent shows were not for uh, shy individuals that don't like to show off, but whatever. Anyway, you guys can tell why I started the Ashley and Jessica cast, right? I just feel... Connected to her in a lot of ways. So Jessica continued to perform in church very often and she also got involved with the Christian circuit. So when she was 13, she got her first record deal with the Christian label Proclaim Records and started working on an album. So she told Popstar. I signed when I was 13 years old. I worked on that album till I was 16. We were trying to find the perfect songs for it, and I was trying to develop as an artist, find my niche. By the time the whole thing was done, the record company went under. All my friends thought I was lying anyway. My grandmother paid for it to be mixed, and we made copies, and wherever my dad would go preach, I would go and be the music artist. We sold the CDs that way. That is such a hustle. I mean, truly, to have your label go under after – three years which I mean when you're 13 three years 13 to 16 feels like a whole lifetime right so that is crazy that all of her hopes and dreams were almost completely crushed and then her grandma gave her $7,500 she wrote about that in her book this was like her savings and she said that there was no better way to use it than to help Jessica with this record and getting it released so they literally had to pay for it to be finished themselves and paid for it to be pressed so that they could sell it and Jessica said that they would sell it literally just out of the trunk of the car (laughs) like Jessica would sing and then they'd be standing outside in the parking lot with the trunk open and all the CDs out and that's how they would sell the music and get her name out there
1: I've had many and many of failures to to get me where I'm at right now, which has actually made me a stronger person and a better artist. And it's been the perfect timing for me. When I was 14 years old, I uh, signed with a gospel label and I made a gospel record. And then that record company crashed right before everything was about to be released. We tried to shop it around to other gospel labels and they were all slamming the doors in our face. We didn't understand why, you know, we were just like, God, you know, if this was meant to be, you know, and for for somebody who's really young, who's been promised something for years and years, it, it was really hard to handle and it was really hard to take, you know. I was going to quit and I was just going to be like, go be a cheerleader and do the whole normal high school thing. And I'm going to be with my friends and I'm just going to live a normal life. I'll major in psychology, I'll be a therapist or a teacher, you know, do something normal, but it all worked out.
0: After her disappointments with the Mickey Mouse Club and then with Proclaim Records going under, Jessica initially planned to give up on singing and have a more normal life, but she continued to sing locally and felt that it was truly her destiny to share her voice with the world. In fact, she connected it to her faith pretty closely because, of course, she grew up singing in the church, so it was just a natural connection for her, but also she felt that God would give her signs that guided her toward continuing to pursue singing. However, her career on the Christian circuit was not going anywhere and she realized that she had to go into mainstream music if she wanted any chance of making it. So, through her vocal coach, she was able to meet other industry professionals and eventually met an entertainment lawyer who helped her send out some demos to record labels. Now, Jessica was actually really unhappy with the demos that she had made. She didn't like them at all and she didn't want want them to be sent out anywhere but they did it anyway behind her back her dad and the entertainment lawyer because they believed in her and they knew that the demos were actually good and that all anybody would have to do is hear this amazing voice coming out of this young girl and she would be given a chance. So Jessica was scheduled to fly to New York City on her 17th birthday, July 10th, 1997, to meet with record labels. And Teresa labarbera White, who at the time was A&R for Columbia Records, heard her demos and insisted on flying to Dallas to meet with Jessica before her meetings so that she could hear Jessica's voice in person before vouching for her with the CEO of Columbia and Sony, Tommy Mottola. Obviously, Tommy Mottola was one of the most powerful men in the music industry at the time, and Jessica's influences include Amy Grant, Celine Dion, and of course... Mariah Carey, who was married to Tommy Mottola at the time. So when Jessica heard his name, she freaked out and couldn't believe that this woman, Teresa, was kind enough to fly to Dallas to hear her sing in person. But Teresa had to make sure that Jessica was the real deal and there was no editing on the demos or anything like that. So Jessica sang for Teresa and, of course, Teresa was beyond impressed and told her that she could get her in to see Tommy directly. So when you have meetings with record labels, it's not like you immediately go to the CEO and sing for him, right? There are other people that are hired to do this. And then if you get past them, you get to see the CEO. So Jessica had meetings with several other record labels that her entertainment lawyer had set up. And she still went on those meetings, of course. It never hurts to meet with a bunch of people. She said that she and her dad were trying to act cool around Teresa and be like, oh, well, you know, we're also meeting with Epic and we're also meeting with Atlantic and all these things and Teresa was like yeah I can get you straight into Tommy's office which is where you belong girl because you're insanely talented so Jessica's in the elevator going up to meet with Tommy Matola. her dreams are coming true and she's praying and talking to God in her mind she said I am here for your will if this moment is right it will be the right one meaning the right record label so she said that she prepared as much as she could and worked so hard on her audition. And before hearing her sing, Tommy Mottola asked her, what do you want to do in life? And she wrote in her book, I knew the answer to this one because I'd just written it in my journal the night before. I want to be an example to girls all over the world, I said, that you don't have to compromise your values to be successful. I don't think it was the answer he was expecting. The president of Columbia Records was sitting next to Tommy and said, I've never heard that from anybody before. I want to hear you sing. So she sang Amazing Grace, which was her go to audition song, and then she was going to start singing I Will Always Love You, but Tommy told her that that was enough. He didn't need to hear anything else. So Jessica was really. Scared in this moment because she thought that he was telling her that that was enough because he didn't want to hear her sing anymore And that she had blown it, but instead he walked over to where she was sitting and said as far as i'm concerned I would sign you today Your music is fantastic how it is. I believe that your voice and who you are as a person and what you stand for can change the world. Jessica had actually done really well with her meetings at the other labels that week, and so she received offers from not only Columbia with Tommy Mottola, but also Mercury Records and Atlantic. She didn't know which one to pick. And her parents left the decision in her hands, which on one hand, I think is great parenting. And on the other hand, I'm like, oh my God, I I don't know. I feel like I would want to guide my kid at the same time. And Jessica didn't know which way to go. So she decided to ask for a sign from God and she was driving and a black bird flew into her windshield. She said that she screamed and she knew it was a sign, but she just didn't know what it was assigned for, and she said out loud to God, what did that mean? There's no bird records. And just in that moment, she looked over to her right, and she saw a sign that said Columbia Hospital. So she decided to go with Columbia Records. Now, unfortunately, with the decision to work with Tommy came some conditions. So when she went back again to meet him and sign the contracts – Tommy looked her up and down and told her that she had to lose 15 pounds, which was shocking because Jessica was five foot three and only weighed 118 pounds. She was 17 years old. She was still growing. He said, I think you're going to have to lose 15 pounds, maybe 10, because that's the image you want to have. That's what it will take to be Jessica Simpson. She was confused because she was like, wait, I I already am Jessica Simpson. Why would I have to lose weight in order to be Jessica. I mean, I cannot imagine what this does to a 17 year old psyche. And in fact, I can because Jessica has had eating issues and weight issues for the rest of her life. She writes about it toward the end of the book, how she's dealt with this even in adulthood. So it's Just so unfortunate because she was obviously beautiful and perfect back then. And she still would have been beautiful and perfect even if she was 50 pounds heavier or something, you know. But as it stood, she was already so skinny. But at the time, it was just that stick-thin model look was really in, and Tommy wanted to compete with the other girls. He wanted to make sure that his pop star was set up for success, and in his mind, you had to be rail thin in order to do that. So Jessica went on a super strict diet, and she started taking diet pills that she ended up taking for 20 years after that. I can't even fathom what that does to your health over such a long period of time. It actually breaks my heart that that happened to her. Jessica and her family moved to Los Angeles the day before Ashley's 13th birthday, so you can understand the whole living in the shadow thing. And she got to work right away on her first album. She spent two years working on – The record that would end up being titled Sweet Kisses. And she was really frustrated because she knew that Britney and Christina were also working on her albums because, of course, she had met with those record labels. In fact, when she sung for Jive Records, they told her, oh, we love you, but we just signed a girl who's exactly like you, which was Britney Spears. Now, Jessica wanted to come out first ahead of Christina and Britney and whoever else was going to hit the scene because she knew that whoever came out after was going to be seen as a copycat. She was really stressed about this, but she said that the label always had some reason to delay. And in some ways, that was a good thing because she really got to spend a lot of time working on the album. Jessica has described herself many times as a perfectionist, and she said that they would have to actually stop her while she was in the recording studio and say... Jessica, it's great, it's good enough, we're done for the day, because she just wanted to keep recording and making sure it was as great as possible. She said that Teresa tried to guide her as authentically as possible, so Teresa was the artsy person in the studio with her, reminding her to stay authentic to who she was, and Tommy Matola had also taken a personal interest in her album more than some of the other albums that he was... overseeing at the time and he was super super picky so he kept getting involved with the mixes of all her songs And he actually really liked a song that Jessica had written. Now, this is the only song that Jessica wrote that ended up on one of her albums until her third album, In the Skin. And it's called Heart of Innocence, which Jessica took the lyrics straight from her journal. It was about deciding to not have sex until marriage, which was something that was important to her and in her church community was very common. I mean, women still decide that they will not have sex until they get married. So back then, I assume it was even more common common and this became a massive deal in the press and was a huge part of marketing jessica but she didn't realize that at the time she was just a teenager that genuinely wrote something from her heart about how she wanted to save herself for a special man that she would be with forever and it was taken from her and twisted and turned into this angle to draw people in Jessica recorded a song called Did You Ever Love Someone, which ended up on the Dawson's Creek soundtrack. And this is really where the mainstream got a first taste of her voice. She said that she watched the episode with her family and jumped up and down she was so excited to hear her voice on tv and that was a big deal i mean having a song on dawson's creek it was kind of like a few years later having a song on the oc or a few years after that having a song on Grey's anatomy and it didn't become a hit or anything but it was a nice little introduction for jessica on august 30th 1999 i want to love you forever jessica's first ever single was officially released now, of course, she didn't actually get to come out before Britney, whose first single came out in October 98, or Christina, whose first single had come out earlier in 1999, but she was coming at the public with a different angle, right? Britney and Christina had this underlying sex appeal to their music. It was this tongue and cheek yes, I'm a good girl, but I'm also a bad girl thing, Christina was saying, you got to rub me the right way. Brittany was saying, hit me, baby, one more time, which, yes, does mean just hit me up. But with the video being a little sexy, Brittany showing her belly and stuff like that, they just became known as these young, provocative Teenage girls and they went in a different direction with Jessica. And instead of having an upbeat pop song to introduce her to the world, they chose a ballad because they wanted her to be more about her voice. And so did she. She genuinely had amazing pipes and she's not a good dancer. So she didn't want to do the whole choreography thing. And I think this was a really smart way to debut her. And still to this day, it's her biggest hit. You would think that it would be With You, but With You actually only got to number 14 on the Hot 100. And I'm Gonna Love You Forever at number three is still her highest charting single ever. Now, this is when I became a fan of Jessica. I still remember seeing her video for the first time. It was such a beautiful, warm-toned, slow paced music video, which I just remember thinking that she was the most gorgeous girl and had the most gorgeous voice. And I was a fan from then on. I asked my mom to get me the Sweet Kisses album and I loved it. And I have been a fan ever since. Tommy Mottola told her that the I Want to Love You Forever video was great, but that she could do better. And Jessica was confused because she didn't know what she had done wrong. And he said, for the next video, I want a six pack. I just I can't imagine seeing the I want to love you forever video and being filled with anything except pride that you basically discovered this amazing new artist who is probably going to make you tons of money and win your label awards and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just so sad that he only saw her as a hot girl who he needed to make even hotter by his standards or else in november of 1999 when jessica was 19 years old sweet kisses was released at last it sold just under 2 million copies in the united states with 4 million total worldwide its peak position was number 25 on the charts and it was certified two times platinum now obviously for most people this would be a massive success and it was a massive success i mean I haven't sold 4 million albums. Have you sold 4 million albums? Not something that many people can say, right? But at the time, people still had to actually go buy CDs in order to have music. There was no streaming. There was no downloading. So when compared to her peers, which of course Tommy and the world insisted on doing that, they insisted on comparing her to Britney and Christina, these sales were relatively low. Baby One More Time is one of the top selling albums in history. It has sold 30 million copies worldwide, so compare that to 4 million. Christina sold 14 million copies of her album, so Jessica was lagging behind in her label's eyes. They released two more singles off of Sweet Kisses in the year 2000, Where You Are, which was a duet with her boyfriend at the time, Nick Lachey. That peaked at number 62 on the Billboard Hot 100, which is crazy to me because I remember this song being everywhere. I remember it being an obsession of kids my age. I remember it doing well on TRL. I mean, Jessica was a major player, even though her sales were a lot lower than Britney and Christina's, she was still really successful and doing really well. It's just that her album was not the juggernaut that Baby One More Time was. Her third single, I Think I'm In Love With You, did a lot better. It peaked at number 21 on the Hot 100. And If Where You Are was everywhere, this song was even more everywhere. And I still to this day think that this is one of Jessica's best songs. I swear – I never, ever, ever get tired of this song. I could hear it a hundred times in a row and still be belting it out. I actually think that if you sit down and listen to the Sweet Kisses album from beginning to end, they really did pick the correct singles here, which I almost never feel this way. I always think people should have release different singles or more singles, but I do think that these are the three best songs on this album, and I really don't know why they were not higher up on the charts. I do not know why her album didn't sell more. Maybe it was just the fatigue of having all these blonde singers out. I mean, for me, I was obsessed with Britney. I loved Christina, and so when Jessica came out, I wasn't annoyed. I wasn't thinking, ugh, another blonde singer. I was thinking, another blonde singer? Yay! <laughs> I love these girls. I'm ready for this. Give me more, you know. I'm. I want. I want all the blonde singers and and other girlies too. Okay, let's make room for some diversity here, right? I mean, it really is crazy though that the four of them they didn't look anything like in their face, but all four of them literally were very thin, very beautiful blonde white women. I mean, no wonder why so many of us are. Insecure, right? It's like they literally were sending a message. This is what you want to be. This is what you have to be if you want to be the it girl, right? So here is a review of Sweet Kisses by All Music. They said by the end of 1999, teen pop had grown into a strangely diverse genre of its own. Really, I just said it wasn't diverse because it's it wasn't. But anyway, I do like the rest of this review. With each act fulfilling a different need, Britney Spears was pure trashy fun. Trashy? We don't love that. But what he says about Jessica is really good, guys. While Christina Aguilera was flashy and talented just like Mariah Carey, the Backstreet Boys stood above the pack with their suave sophistication and irresistible melodic charm while in sync were the stones to the Backstreet Boys Beatles, a little bit of the Rough and Tough, not quite as melodic, but almost as charming. Obviously, I disagree with that too. You guys know I'm an in sync girl all the way. Into the fray arrived Jessica Simpson, unlike some of her peers, a mere finalist for the new Mickey Mouse Club instead of a full-fledged member, with her debut Sweet Kisses, an album that positions her as the teen Celine Dion. Sure, she delves into the frothy dance pop that is this genre's stock in trade, but the heart of her album lies in adult contemporary ballads like her breakout hit, I Want to Love You Forever, which gives her a chance to show off the richness of her voice. She doesn't over-sing, yet, (laughs) like Aguilera occasionally does, even if she has moments where she pushes the envelope slightly, just like her idol Dion. However, there are already indications that she's developing her own voice, since she is equally capable of delivering danceable, Urban RB on songs such as Final Heartbreak, I've Got My Eyes on You, and the Destiny's Child duet, Woman in Me. As she is mature balladry, including Your Faith in Me and The Nick Lachey Duet, Where You Are. Like most teen pop albums, Sweet Kisses suffers from inconsistent material, yet the filler is well-produced and performed, making the record every bit as listenable as Aguilera's fine debut. As a matter of fact, Simpson proves with this debut that she could very well be a teen popster that could actually make the transition to adult artist, and that puts her in a rarefied league with Aguilera and The Backstreet's. So, if you don't remember, or you were too young to remember, or you weren't born yet. It was kind of like Britney and NSYNC were seen as the frivolous ones, and Christina and Badger Boys were the more serious ones that would be around a long time. Obviously, all of them ended up having staying power, except for, tragically, NSYNC. That doesn't reflect their talent. That's just because of We're not going to get into all of that, but you know, you know why that happened. Anyway, this is a really good review, and I think this is the successful side of marketing Jessica because she was more than just a Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera clone. She didn't want to be like them because in a lot of ways she wasn't like them. She was truly authentic, but unfortunately she had this situation where they wanted her to appeal to what was popular with the masses instead of staying true to herself. But luckily we did get, I think we got more authentic Jessica on Sweet Kisses than we do on Irresistible, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but let's discuss Jessica's image at this time. So there were a few talking points that Jessica would always hit. The first one was that she's a positive person and she's a good role model and she's a good girl and she wants young girls to know that you don't have to be edgy or sexy to be cool. The other one was her virginity, which obviously ties to the first one. And the third one was her kind of defending why she isn't like Britney, why she isn't like Christina. So in December 99, she told Tiger Beat – I think I try to be a very positive person and a role model. The ballad I Wanna Love You Forever really illustrates my love for my music. To me, my vocals are above anything rather than having an image or a dance routine. And in 2000, she told Jump Magazine, "It's uh, all of these magazines are gone. <laughs> I don't care how high I get on the charts. I want my music to inspire people and I want to be a positive role model. I know that a lot of girls go through so much, but you can't let this world weigh you down. It's easy easy to be swept away by what's popular or to try to please everybody, but you have to know who you are and persevere. That's why we love her. That's why we love her. Jessica is real. So it was kind of like through the first few years of her career, it was this authentic soul who just wanted to sing and share her voice with the world and inspire people. Versus her label who just wanted her to get skinnier and skinnier and have Janet Jackson abs and do whatever they said instead of letting her be true to herself. On August 6, 2000, Jessica won two Teen Choice Awards, one for her duet with Nick and the other one for Choice Breakout Artist. And she gave an interview in the press room after and talked about this realness and relatability that I keep mentioning.
1: It's very, very important to me to be a positive role model. And um, in my acceptance speech, I mean, the first and foremost person that I thanked was God, and uh you know, he's definitely blessed my life so much, and um, I think my fans see that, that I'm like a normal girl, <laughs> that I, like, you know, the fame and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me, because I know my fans are the ones who got me here, so um, I think that that's really what my fans relate to, I mean, I chat on my message board, and, you know, just things that a lot of others probably wouldn't, but, you know, it's, It's very, very important to me that people are not intimidated and that they know
0: that I'm just Jessica. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash
1: in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting.
0: Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. So for those of you who are more media literate, you might think that answer from Jessica sounds rehearsed, PR trained, coached by the label, etc. But now that I've been a fan of hers for 20 plus years, I can tell you that she really is this way. I think most fans know of her down-to-earth nature from newlyweds where we really got to see her authentic personality on a more intimate level. Some of that show is contrived just like any other reality show, but because it was one of the very first celeb reality shows, Nick and Jessica didn't really have the context to even know to put on a show for the camera or to act a certain way, especially in that first season. And I have to say, Jessica's personality seemed to stay consistent once her fame blew up because of newlyweds, and through her career even till today. She doesn't seem to have a lot of pretense. In fact, she has an almost childlike way of jumping right in. She doesn't seem to have a lot of pretense. In fact, she has an almost childlike way of jumping right in and just being herself. And I think it's really infectious and contributes to longtime fans like myself staying consistent in our support of her. And Side note, I have met Jessica once in 2020 on her open book tour, and even though I only had like a minute with her, she immediately made me feel like family. I know that's kind of weird to say with someone that you just met, but I don't know how else to describe it. She was just so warm. She immediately went in for a hug. I never go in for a hug when I meet celebrities because I don't know them. Maybe they don't want to be hugged, you know? And she turned to me and said, you look so beautiful. And I don't know, I just felt so comfortable with her. Like I didn't feel like I was meeting someone I had never met before. It was just kind of like, oh yeah, this is Jessica, you know? So I think her genuine personality – Has been a major player in what has made her so successful. And that's why it's so ironic that her record label wanted her to be so much like someone else. Because once Newlyweds came out and she was literally just sitting on her couch in a big t shirt with no makeup, eating tuna, and saying whatever came to her mind, that's when her career got the biggest it ever was. So I imagine that must have felt extremely good and extremely validating for Jessica. So let's talk about Jessica's live performances, because I think this is important, especially after certain recent TikToks have gone viral that represent a time when Jessica was experimenting with different approaches to her live singing during a later era of her career. Now, I have no idea, truly no idea why she decided to change her style of live performances around her newlyweds slash in the skin era. I really don't because I feel her live vocals and just overall performances were a lot better pre-Newlyweds. Unfortunately, there are now thousands of people who think that she just flat out can't sing because of a couple unfortunate performances that have blown up, like the one with Jewel or some of the rougher ones when she released Take My Breath Away as a single, which is another choice that I just am Gob smacked by because In The Skin had so many great songs. I just don't understand why she would cover a song and release that as a single when there's like 12 great songs just sitting there on the album. And I think that this is something that a lot of the people that follow me or listen to me really appreciate is that I'm really honest when it comes to everything that I talk about. As much as I am just obsessed with so many artists – I'm not a cult member that's, you know, forced to say that everything is so great. I'm not afraid of giving criticism as long as it's respectful when it applies. And I've seen some fandoms that kind of shame people anytime anyone isn't just screaming like yes queen it's like oh you're not a real fan if you don't like this or you're not a real fan if you say this and I just think that that's insane I actually think that it makes you more of a real fan if you are willing to give constructive criticism about your favorite artists because it means that you are authentically experiencing their work and isn't that what every artist wants At the end of the day, I mean, I think that being a sycophantic super fan that just dies over every single thing a person does is only rewarding and entertaining for so long before you just end up wanting a real response. And so I think that's something that my listeners appreciate about me is that they know that if I say something is good, I really mean it. And that was my true experience with it. Because I'm not just praising every single thing. And I really think that Jessica was mismanaged at multiple times in her career. I'm not dissing her father, Joe, because overall, I I tend to really like Joe. But I don't understand why the vocal styling changed. I don't know why she became a worse singer, even though she had more experience and was more famous. I mean, it seems like... If you're performing on all of these award shows and you're doing more than you ever have before and you're doing a full arena tour, which she did in 2004, she had never done a big tour like that before, I would think that you would double down on the vocal coaches and you would get better. And it's weird how Jessica seemed to regress after this first era and I don't understand why. But I think the people that laugh at her videos on TikTok would actually be really impressed if they watched her pre-newlyweds performances because they're actually quite good. So during this first era, Jessica was usually singing her first single, I Wanna Love You Forever, or her single with Nick, Where You Are. These were very straightforward 90s ballad performances with a live band where – Jessica basically just stands there and delivers. And when I say delivers, I mean delivers. If not those songs, she was usually performing her upbeat pop single from this album, I Think I'm in Love with You, which I still think is my all time favorite Jessica song. I'm just like, this song can put me in the best mood no matter what. And I love belting this. Like, if I'm turning on the burners, getting ready to cook dinner, I press play on this girl. I'm like, this is my cooking show set to the tune of Jessica Simpson, heard of it. Anyway, so (laughs) when she would do this type of upbeat performance, and this happened rarely, but sometimes she would also perform other faster tracks from her album. And so with these songs, Jessica would perform with backup dancers, including Miss Ashley Simpson, and she would always sing live, really well, I might add, while doing a less intense version of the choreography that the dancers were doing behind her. So she would do that part of the time, and then the other part of the time she would be walking around the stage, interacting with the crowd. Now, I think the ballads are where she truly shined, and I think this was what differentiated her. From the pack, but honestly, during both the fast and slow songs, Jessica sang with so much passion and really sold the whole pop star thing. She doesn't seem like a lesser version of Christina and Britney at all. Just another variation who has certainly earned her place among them. During the second era, Irresistible, her performance style changed a little And that the label was strongly pushing the Britney vibe on her. So Jessica did choreography more full out in skimpier outfits and almost never performed ballads. I think this was a huge mistake, but we'll get more into Irresistible in a little while. Despite the fact that we now know that Jessica was constantly on a diet that she didn't need to be on, and she was pretty miserable because of that, she was obsessing over food, she was looking at her body in the mirror, worried about what she looked like. I mean, it's just heartbreaking. The girl was stunning, and it's just so ridiculous. You would never know it, because Jessica seems completely dedicated and was really giving her all, having a blast on stage. I would find it really hard to find a bad performance of Jessica's during these early days. She just seemed very dedicated and you could tell this was someone who was so excited to share her music with the world and she just had this like young fresh vibrant happy energy and she just radiated a type of sunshine like I really think she has something special like I'm not going to talk that much about Nick in this episode because I'm working on a Nick and Jessica pre-newlyweds era episode for you guys but One thing that I remember Nick always saying about Jessica is that she just had this, like, amazing spirit that he was attracted to. Like, yes, she was hot. Yes, he liked her personality, but she just had this, like, infectious spirit that he loved being around. And I really do think that she has that. Like, I completely understand what he means When he says that like she has something extra that just makes her more radiant and like glowing and she still has it but especially back then when she was just like straight out of Texas like ready to go. I just love watching her perform. During these early eras. I think the best Example of this is in her Disney Channel Special, which you can still find On YouTube. It has a good selection of Songs from her first album Sweet Kisses Since it's not just the singles I especially love her performance of I've Got My Eyes On You Which is an up-tempo Very bubblegum pop song from the album I didn't really love it though Until I saw her performance of it In this Disney special because she just did Such a good job that it added something On the song to me and that That's one of my favorite experiences with all the artists that I love. I mean, even sometimes it'll be years after a song came out and it'll be a song that's always been kind of a skip on an album for me. But then I see it live and it just adds this extra element to it. And, you know, there's not a lot to this song. Like, it's a song that I'm sure was being shopped around to Britney, Christina, and Mandy and all of them. And, you know, it wasn't like a song that Jessica poured her heart and soul into or anything. But she just really sells the pop star thing. Thing. Like, she has it, and she just looks so cute in her little pink tank top and her cargo pants, and the dancers are just popping off. Like, Ashley is hitting those steps, honey. Like, it's just, it's a really good performance. We also get a clip. It's a shame they don't show the full performance, but... We get a clip of her doing Your Faith in Me, which is one of the ballads on Sweet Kisses that was not a single, and Jessica just slays the vocals. I mean, she completely nails it. She sings with so much emotion that even though she didn't write the song, you can see how much she loves it and how passionate she is about the message, she just could really deliver a ballad so powerfully in these early days, which, again, I feel like is the thing that differentiated her so much from Britney and Christina because Britney has a style of singing that I am absolutely obsessed with. Like, I love Britney's natural voice. I do not agree with people who say she can't sing. She absolutely can sing. Look up her live vocal performances from her early days if you don't believe me. I love the tone of her voice, but Britney wasn't being marketed as that ballad girl, and as much as I do think that she could slay a performance of, like, From the Bottom of My Broken Heart or Don't Let Me Be the Last to Know, I don't think that she could ever sing... I want to love you forever, right? Like she didn't have that type of range. Jessica has a five octave range. And during this first era, girl, she was really, really proving that to you. And Christina, while she absolutely could sing I want to love you forever or slay any ballad because she's fucking Christina Aguilera she was also being heavily marketed to be like Britney so because Britney wasn't marketed to do the ballads Christina wasn't either I mean she had your standard ballad come out as a single with I turn to you and then later the one she did with Ricky Martin which I am love that one that one is what is it called nobody wants to be lonely Christina in that video, are you joking? Okay, this is about Jessica. But I just, I, I love all these girls. You guys, I get distracted all the time. I go off on tangents. I try to at least keep it to pop culture. Like I'm not going to talk to you about my nail appointment. But um, yeah, anyway, so like I said, she just absolutely would serve these emotional, Passionate ballad performances And I think my favorite is I Want to Love You Forever On the Rosie O'Donnell show There's also a really cute interview that goes along with this But it's hard to even really pick A favorite performance of I Want to Love You Forever Because her performances of This extremely difficult to sing By the way song Are very consistent But there's something about this one that she just feels so confident with her vocals at that point that even she seems a little surprised (laughs) by how good she is like there's a moment where she goes like woo after she (laughs) finishes a, a particularly big belt and I think that that's such an authentic moment of an artist just reaching this place with their vocals where they've been singing since they were a kid but Now is really their moment where they have their album coming out and they're on this big show and she just nailed it and she knew she nailed it and I love seeing that. It's so, I don't know, it just gets my like blood flowing. I'm like, yes girl, you know, it's just so exciting. I think a lot of people would say though that her vocal style even at this point was not perfect, but she did not have the same breathy variation that she would add around The end of 2003 And her belting Was a lot more pleasing To the ear I mean with these Ballad performances Jessica really showed That her vocal stamina Was crazy And that she could sustain This heavy belting For several minutes And one thing That I will point out As someone I mean I'm a singer I'm not like as good Of a singer as Jessica But I have been singing Since I was a kid also And performed in in All the local shows And stuff like that And I've done Musical theater So I've had a lot Of vocal training So I know a little bit About this And when you you're belting out actual words like I want to love you forever it's so different and so much harder than if you're just going like whoa or something like that you know what I mean like a lot of people belt on really easy parts like songs are written specifically like that to make you think that this vocalist is like the best vocalist ever which is fine but I want to love you forever is it's honestly kind of rude Uh, On behalf of the writer of the song Whoever wrote this frankly owes her an apology Because even though she pulled off the performance as well This song is unrealistically hard to sing I mean it truly is And anytime Jessica struggled To me it seemed like she was breathing too much through her mouth Instead of her nose I mean especially during 2004 on But this can easily be fixed with vocal training So I just don't understand the whole evolution of the voice But Jessica really, truly has the pipes. She has the passion. She just needed to have it refined a little bit more. And I think that we could have avoided all of this negative talk about her vocals. I mean, if you look at somebody like Taylor Swift, her early performances in her career, you know, she really wasn't a strong singer and she's worked on it over the years. And now watching the Ares tour, I mean, she really has learned – how to expand her vocal range. And she has so much power and control. Her lower register is unbelievable. I could never sing that like that, that low. I mean, I'm a soprano, but still like that. <laughs> I try to sing it sometimes and I I literally sound like a drunk man trying to hit on someone. It's like just very embarrassing. And the interesting thing about Jessica, and we're about to find out what's gonna happen, right? Because in 2024, she is going to release a new album. At least that is what she has been saying for Months and months and months now. She's been working on it in Nashville and she says that she's even going to tour in 2024. So, Godspeed. Please let this happen, but we're going to find out soon, right? But based on the last song that she released, which wasn't really an official release, Jessica wasn't with a label or anything like that. She kind of just posted it on her YouTube and then disappeared. It was a cover of this song Particles, which is a ballad. And in the video, she's just kind of sitting singing it. And she does not have the same breathy issues that she ended up developing in the mid-2000s. So that is very, very promising and very exciting. Because it's not something that she would often do on the tracks. It was only live. Although, she did do it on the... These boots were made for a walk-in track, which is one of the reasons why I absolutely, like, I cannot stand that song and that era. I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole thing now, but it just bothers me so much, like, how much it was all about her body. When, why aren't we focusing on the talent that this woman has? Like, I don't get it. I mean, I just feel like, especially the general public, it's like, really, who cares what they think? But it's like, people, people don't care to, like, look into Jessica. So they see her you know, washing a car in a bikini and singing this song that's not challenging at all to sing and she's singing it in this, like, weird tone that she doesn't usually sing in and it's just, like, the total misrepresentation of who she is. And I know she was playing Daisy Duke, but it also was, like, this song by Jessica Simpson. It wasn't, like, it wasn't like the movie was a musical and she was performing the song in the musical, like, this was a separate video. You know what I mean? I just, like, it just bothers me anytime the focus is on her body because it seems like it always is even today. Like ever since I started the podcast in 2020, I used to do consistent Jessica news updates. Like I would read whatever people were writing about her and stuff. And then it was just so much about her body. It's like anytime she ever wore shorts, it's just like Jessica slips back into those Daisy Dukes. And they just focus so much on her weight and it just drives me insane. So I was like, I cannot do these as frequently because it's so reductive. I mean, it's bad for my mental health. Never mind Jessica's. I can't even imagine how she does it. But yeah, now I haven't even done one of those in a really long time. I used to do them on Patreon because it's just, there's hardly ever like an actual good article about her where they're focusing on her talent and her business acumen. It's always like Jessica Simpson shows off her slim frame in a gown after losing 100 pounds. It's like, Birdie is, like, almost five years old. Like, when – that's her baby that she gained the 100 pounds when she was pregnant with her. Like, when are we going to stop saying that every outfit Jessica wears and every time she leaves the freaking house, she's showing off her weight loss? That's something that just drives me crazy in general, but, like, tangent. I told you guys I go off on tangents, but I'm just – I'm just saying. Like, it's so frustrating. Like, anytime a a woman is on – The beach in a bikini you know it's like Kelly Clarkson recently lost weight every time Kelly Clarkson does anything they're like Kelly Clarkson shows off her weight loss and I'm like she's not showing off her weight loss she's just like walking down the street (laughs) like leave her alone oh my god everything is not about weight you guys clearly I triggered myself anyway so Jessica went on tour with 90 Degrees She did 60 shows with them And that is what got her enough exposure To open for Ricky Martin after this Who really was bigger than 90 Degrees at the time I mean, this was the Livin' La Vida Loca era Which was just one of those songs that totally took over the world So that also exposed her to a new fan base as well Because he was mainstream pop at that time But he also brought in that whole Latin crowd as well, right? So that was really huge for Jessica In 1999, she told Popstar My show is high energy, but my favorite thing is singing the slow songs I love anything with a ton of emotion in it Anything with a ton of emotion is good for me. I love to see people's expressions, and I love to see how much music does affect people. If you and your boyfriend just broke up, and you go and put on a sad song, you can relate to it. It's so cool to watch your fans relate to you and relate to your lyrics that you're singing. That's what I love about performing, and I love going to hit the huge high notes. I mean, just the fact that she even highlighted that, like she loves hitting the high notes, of course she loves hitting the high notes because she can – Hit them and she can belt like that. But just because you can doesn't mean that you should be belting that much and that consistently, especially in that one song, I'm gonna love you forever, because that really tires out a voice. And I think that's why she ended up straining a lot in 2004 when she was trying to sing Take My Breath Away and Angels. Like some of those moments where she's really belting out those songs, it almost sounds more like she's screaming and the note just goes flat. And I wonder if it's because she was just constantly, when promoting this album, belting like that. I mean, it's not easy on your vocals, but it's like the record label didn't really seem to give a shit about her, obviously, if they're, you know, telling her to take diet pills and just keep losing more and more weight and stuff. So they probably were just focused, like every label, on – making a quick hit, making her big, making the bucks now instead of developing an artist that you'll have for 20 years that will bring you consistent acclaim and awards and money and all that stuff. No, they were only worried about what can we get right now. Okay, so this part is kind of annoying, but if you're going to cover Jessica's early career – you have to talk some more about the comparisons to Britney, particularly when it comes to the virginity aspect. So first of all, I feel the need to acknowledge that it's ridiculous and inappropriate to talk about anyone's sex life, especially that of a teenage girl. But of course it was all the rage back then. For some godforsaken reason, the media acted as if they had a right to know these extremely personal details, just by virtue of the fact that these performers were putting themselves out there. Like, I grew up basically feeling like you had to be outward about these things. I mean, I just assumed it was part of the job – almost like a trade-off. Like, if you dare to become famous, you better expect that this will happen to you. And not only do you have to expect it, but you have to take it with a smile and answer to the best of your ability. The blame for this really lies with Britney's team who convinced her to spread this made-up narrative that she was waiting to have sex before marriage. I mean, it's absurd to me. Like, I completely understand the motivation behind coming up with a marketing narrative for a 16-year-old pop star, but I just can't fathom their sex life being any part of where my mind Would go in this marketing plan. I mean, it's sickening. I don't blame Britney because she was so young and being told that this would help her career. I mean, I too, at 16, would have done and said whatever the hell they wanted me to because I would have been too afraid of like losing my record deal, you know? And Jessica was the same way. Like, even though she didn't feel like she had to lose weight and didn't want to lose weight, it's like they pounded that into her mind. So she was just like, okay, like I'll do whatever they say. It's so hard to make it at all. And Christina's talked a lot about this as well. That's why Stripped was such a radically different album from her first album, because on the first album she was just so happy to be making an album at all that whatever they told her to do, she did. So I don't blame the girls, of course, I blame their teams, but the unfortunate part is that Jessica had truly been given a promise ring by her dad during her childhood, and she was truly a virgin, and she was such a naturally open person that it was genuine when she brought the song that she she had wrote Heart of Innocence about saving herself for marriage to the label, she felt okay sharing that part of herself. While Britney was misguided, to lie about it and it's a shame because it was something that wasn't authentic to Britney which is fine I, I don't have any problem with the fact that Britney wasn't a virgin like who gives a flying fuck why would anybody care it's so stupid right it's such a personal thing and I'm talking about a literal child at this point right but it just sucks because since Britney's album came out first and Britney said it first that she was a virgin Jessica also claiming to be a virgin, seemed like this was just another way that she was being a shade of Britney or a copy of Britney. And it's just so unfortunate that for Britney, it wasn't even true, but for Jessica, it absolutely was true. If Jessica's album had only been released a year earlier, this part of her narrative would have seemed authentic rather than what it seemed like to a lot of people, which was that Jessica was just following the crowd or that her team was just jumping at the opportunity to copy Britney in another way which they were but it was authentically what Jessica was going through at the time and like I said she has this childlike way of just kind of like blurting things out so I think that when she started sharing all this stuff about her virginity she wasn't even thinking about it like she wasn't thinking about Brittany's life or her career or her narrative she was just like this is who I am so I'm just gonna say it you know she's an open book (laughs) like that's why her book is titled that On the song Heart of Innocence, she said, It's definitely my favorite song on the album. It's the one that I wrote. It's called Heart of Innocence and it's about saving myself for my husband. There's a really cool story behind it. I hadn't had a boyfriend in like a year. I was writing in my journal and I was upset and I was praying. I was like, God, I just really need you to be my companion right now. And I fell asleep when I was writing and I woke up in the middle of the night and God was like, write a letter to your husband. And I did. And that's the song. So that's obviously like so beautiful and adorable for like this young girl to come to her label with this song confidently and want to share it with people. And of course, Tommy Mottola is like, oh, I really like that song. And Jessica wrote in her book that she thinks it partially was because they could use the virgin narrative to market her. But I'm not saying the song isn't good. Like it's a fine song. But I think that was The key reason why he liked it so much and put it on the album because he was like, oh great, we can do this virgin thing that's working so well for Britney. We can do that with you. Perfect. And it just seemed like he kind of took advantage of her openness and her willingness to share this part of herself with other people. It's just, he is so slimy. Like he literally, I want to go take a shower. Ugh. So this interview that I keep reading from With pop star magazine in 1999 a lot of people say this was her first interview I don't think it was but it was definitely one of them. So this is like how early Jessica is talking about her rigidity very early on and so also in 1999 She told tiger beat the reason i'm open about it is because a lot of girls feel pressure to have sex before they are married I want girls to know that there are people willing to wait until they are married to have sex Nick is really supportive about it I do think that it does send a good message to teenagers because now that I am pretty far removed from being a teenager, I'm like, yeah, I don't think teenagers need to really be having a lot of sex. Like, I'm not prudish at all, but I'm just saying, like, you already have so much going on during those years where you're so confused and, like, I don't know, maybe in some ways it's good as long as you're doing it with, like, people your own age, of course, because you have to, like, experiment and have those experiences. But I don't know. I don't think there's anything wrong with her sharing her morals with people as long as she Isn't preachy about it, which is something that I think Jessica has always done flawlessly. It's something I've always praised her for. She has this way of talking about her faith and how much God is a part of her life and. Her traditional Christian values In a way where you can tell How serious she is about it And how much it means to her But she isn't imparting it on anybody else Like she's not saying I'm staying a virgin until I'm married And that means I'm better than you And that means I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell That was never the vibe She has really never come across as holier than thou to me Or that she was trying to make me And others feel like we were Not as good of people If we did not follow the same Rules that she had been raised with, you know, so I think that that's just really impressive Especially coming from such a young girl She talks about a good example of this in her book when she started promoting her duet with nick where you are She did an interview with teen people. So she writes they asked me about being a virgin I said I wanted to wait until I got married. I don't judge people who do have sex before marriage. I said and I'm not trying to make anyone think that I'm such a good girl or such a holy person. I'm a regular girl. I didn't realize the statement was going to get so much attention, but the magazine got the most letters it had ever received about a story. Young people, an awful lot of quote regular girls, talked about the pressure they were under to be sexual before they even really knew what sex was. I also didn't realize I would just handed every daytime show a news hook for having us on. They asked Nick and me about my virginity at every every appearance and my take was that it wasn't so much about quote saving myself but building up anticipation. I was 19 and still sheltered so it was kind of bizarre to me that people felt free to ask how have you not had sex yet? The interviewer would always start with me and then turn to Nick who was 26 and a man. This situation did not compute for them. And you're okay with this Nick? They'd ask. He always handled it well, since we both knew the question amounted to, you're cool with a girl who doesn't put out? I really respect everything that she cares about and everything that's important to her, he said on The View. And we talked about this from the very beginning, and so I knew going in that this was an issue with her and that was cool with me. It gave America a storyline to follow. The sexy virgin and the long-suffering but still understanding hot prince. Barbie and Ken didn't have sex either, right? Nick loved the fact that I was so strong in my faith and that I had this wide-eyed innocent approach to life. She also wrote that, She wished sometimes that Nick Would share her faith but he Just didn't and so she Decided to just accept him as He was so that's another example You know there's a lot of families still To this day where they Don't like their daughter marrying someone who isn't A Christian if they're a Christian or I mean this happens In many religions right so I Love that she was able To authentically be herself And commit herself to God but she knew that nobody Else was required to do that and She didn't judge them for it. So, just another reason to love Jessica. From the summer of 2000 to spring of 2001, Jessica worked on her second album. Now, unfortunately, her record label felt like the sales of Sweet Kisses were such a big disappointment. And rather than continue to foster the artist that Jessica truly was, they decided that they would just really, really, really double down on the whole Britney thing and basically strip away what made Jessica unique and just try to make her as much like Britney as they possibly could, which is so silly and dumb. Like I can't believe that they didn't have the foresight to understand that Brittany is the only one that can be Brittany And that doesn't mean I'm saying Britney's better than Jessica But it's just the same way that like I'm the only person that can be me You're the only person that can be you Like no matter how much somebody tries to be like you And gain success off of something that you created They're never gonna really do it, right? It's just nonsensical Like it makes so much more sense to focus on your own strengths Instead of having you kind of haphazardly perform like as this other person It's just so stupid so during the Sweet Kisses era, Jessica had actually been really honest in talking about how they were marketing her less based on her looks and more based on her voice and that she really liked that, but that completely went out the window. She said that Tommy Matola felt that she had to look as much like somebody the boys wanted to be with as much as possible, and that meant that she had to look hotter, according to... Tommy, I guess. I mean, you show any 19, 20 year old boy, because that's how old Jessica was at the time, a picture of Jessica. (laughs) And as long as they're interested in women, I think that it would be a yes. You know what I mean? Like, she's very conventionally gorgeous. I don't think that any boy between the sweet kisses and Irresistible Era was saying, you know what? I'm not interested. It's just so sick. She said that Tommy told her that he wanted to go all in on making her a combination of Britney and Mariah, which is interesting because I don't see much Mariah at all in the Irresistible era. Like, I see it on the album. Because Irresistible has some really, really good songs. Like, overall, it's not the best album, but I think that it shines the most in, like, the mid-tempo songs and the ballads. Although I also really do love the first two singles. I love Irresistible and a little bit. I mean, I have my issues with the lyrics of Irresistible because, again, they're just playing off the whole virgin thing. Like, they are... Still hanging on that. I love the sound of the song, and I I love the song. Like it's one of my most played songs ever on Spotify. But it's just like the lyrics of like, oh, I know I shouldn't. Like I shouldn't get physical with the guy, but I just can't help it because he's so hot. I'm I know I'm gonna go against my values, you know. And it's just so annoying. Like it's just not the narrative that I enjoy. So. Jessica wrote, Tommy said he would be even more involved this time and said I needed to be doing more dance pop over the ballads I loved. I also had to get even skinnier. I started the Atkins diet hardcore, envying and resenting anybody who could just eat. Off the diet, I obsessed over how I looked 24-7 and on the diet, I was also hyper-focused on food. It made me nervous. My anxiety had something to hold on to, and instead of examining my emotions, I would just block them out by focusing on carb counts and waist sizes. If I focused on controlling my outward appearance, I could avoid thinking about my emotions and fears. She said that when promoting the album, she started to feel like she didn't even know who she was anymore. She says, I was working hard on my album, which felt less and less like something that was mine as we headed into the summer 2001 release. I did most of the recording at Sony Music in New York's Hell's Kitchen, close enough for Tommy to drop by whenever he wanted to check in, which was awesome. I'd wanted to do so much with this album, but Tommy was picking the most random songs trying to turn me into a sexpot virgin. I had been able to pull off Sexy Virgin, but acting like a woman who loved sex but had actually never done it was a math problem I could not quite figure out. I didn't think it would make sense to my fans either. Teresa was completely pushed out, slowly having less and less say on what worked for me and my album. I missed her guidance. She was the only person in my life with the experience and strength to say no to the label. She says that by the time the first single, Irresistible, came out, she had gotten herself down to 103 pounds, but she could not enjoy the fact that everybody was telling her that she looked so hot and amazing because she was so hungry all the time. And it's just heartbreaking. I mean, she could have gained 20 pounds and still looked amazing in a crop top. Like it's just so, I just can't. Sorry to interrupt everybody. But if you're loving what you hear in this episode, you might want to subscribe to my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Ashley and There you will find all my bonus content. So you will have access to 55 plus bonus episodes, video episodes, and you get all my public episodes a week early ad free and you get them in an extended cut kind of like the director's cut of a movie so if you want some extra content from the ashley and Jessica, cast please go to patreon.com ashley and Jessica where you can subscribe at the five dollar or the ten dollar tier you're charged once per month and you can cancel online anytime back to the episode so Columbia really put a lot into promoting this album. I got to see Jessica live for the first time during this era because she did a surprise open for Sync on their Pop Odyssey tour. She was not a regular opening act, so when they announced that she was coming out, I absolutely lost my shit. <laughs> like, I was excited enough that I was seeing my favorite group, but then Jessica coming on stage was just so incredible. And this was June 5th, 2001, one so she was doing mostly irresistible songs It was just a short little set And one thing that always I'll just never forget this And my mom was there with me And she always brings this up too Is that Jessica was sick that day And she announced it on the stage That she was sick But she still sang live To the point where she was literally coughing Like she would literally sing a line And be like Deeper than spiritual <coughs> His ways are power Like I am not kidding That is literally what it sounds Sounded like, And I just admired the fact, like, this is no shade toward Ashley at all, but I just really admired the fact that she really shouldn't have been singing, and she chose to anyway because she was just that dedicated. I mean, don't ever sing if you're sick. Like, it, you actually could really damage your vocal cords. And there's a performance of I Want to Love You Forever from her first era where she's sick as well and it's the most horrible performance because she's like you can clearly hear her struggling and suffering and I mean that alone could have damaged her vocal cords like you do not want to do that like I said she was mismanaged like I don't blame her because she was young and whatever she was just trying to like continue on and give good performances no matter what state she was in and I'm sure the pressure was immense I mean that's one of the chapters of her book. Actually, that's the one that I'm reading from right now. It's called Warning Contents Under Pressure. So, I mean, yeah, of course she's going to get sick because she's never eating and she has a constant promo schedule and she's still kind of growing. I mean, she wasn't a child at this point, but you're still growing. Like, your brain is still developing. You need food. Ugh, I just want to slap Tommy Mottola, I can't. Irresistible sold 120,000 copies in the first week, which was nearly double of what Sweet Kisses did when it debuted. So that initially made the label really happy because obviously that was an improvement. But the only reason why Sweet Kisses didn't sell a lot in the first week is because Jessica wasn't a star yet. So this was her second album, more people knew about it. And Irresistible did okay on the charts. It peaked at number 15 and it was on TRL a lot. Jessica looked amazing in the video, but it was just weird because it didn't feel like her. You know, I felt like more of her charm and personality Was able to come across in her Sweet Kisses era performances and videos, whereas the Irresistible era, it just felt like what it was, like it felt more corporate, like a bunch of men talked about in a boardroom what she should do, and it was like yeah, she should wear a really tight leather outfit and shake her ass on top of a roof with helicopters, because that's cool, it's like what does this have to do with her you know and god bless jessica like she really has such a positive happy face on during this i mean listen to her talk about how happy and excited she is about this album
1: sweet kisses was like a beginning step for me it was just the opening of my career and now making irresistible i just see how much i've grown up and I think my music has basically just grown up with me and that's what everybody's gonna see, they're gonna see jessica as a grown-up not a grown-up i'm still a kid but you know what i mean what's new and different about you i don't know i guess it's just because i've grown up i've experienced a lot of things i know exactly what i want i know exactly who i want to be as an artist and everybody's going to see that this time around no really i think it it was just gaining confidence for me yeah you know because everybody goes to that point where they're like they don't feel good about themselves Mm -hmm. and they want to be like other people and now i finally am to the point where i have a great self-esteem i feel great about myself it's going to be jessica simpson
0: I don't blame her for lying because again like She's under a ton of Pressure from the label what is she gonna do sit There and say actually I can't stop Thinking about the fact that I haven't eaten in 12 hours And all I get to have tonight Is a little salad before I go to sleep and then I have to wake up and do it all Over again and I have to dance on the view Tomorrow and I don't even want to because I Just want to show off my voice but they won't let me Release a ballad so I can't do that either like you Know what I mean that would have been the truth she can't say that So of course she has to just be like I'm so excited this is a new side of jessica and it's like god at the time jessica told tiger b it's the album i've always dreamt of making it's a lot more mature it deals with a lot of different issues not just happy and in love issues girls are going to love it because it'll give them a lot of confidence i think it's got a lot of cool things lyrically and musically i think every album is just a new step for me like the last album was just the beginning unlike everybody else i didn't get as much success as fast so i look at my career as being slower but longer I'm taking my time. Unfortunately, that's not how the label saw it at all, right? They just wanted a hit and to make money as fast as possible, when really, the wiser thing to do is to nurture an artist that can have longevity, but... (sighs) They're just so short-sighted, like I, I don't know, this business is so stupid and ridiculous, but A second single was released from this album called A Little Bit, I love this song, I think it is so underrated in Jessica's discography But the video was horrible, despite it being a Hype Williams video, which he's like an extremely prolific music video director and he's directed so many better music videos this was just like a horrible cgi mess jessica had to paint eyeshadow abs onto her belly like she did for many of her performances because even though she had starved herself down to 103 pounds and she already had definition she was so paranoid about Tommy or someone else from the label coming to her and telling her she needed to get even skinnier that she wanted to define her abs more clearly so that's just and it's so funny because you can really tell (laughs) like there's a lot of pictures of her where they they just don't look right you know and then there's other pictures of her where you can tell she didn't paint the abs on and she looks fucking amazing like I would cut off my finger to look like that right now you know what I mean but to her at the time she was so brainwashed I mean so many of us were you know like this is what I grew up around so a little bit Unfortunately, did not even chart, which it just sucks because I really do love that song. Very soon after that, 9-11 happened because A Little Bit was released on August 28th, 2001. So that contributed to the single not doing well. And also because the sales had slowed down A lot her label Just didn't think that the album was worth Putting any more money into or Releasing another single from which is such A shame because forever in your eyes Is in my top five Jessica Songs like I think that is Possibly it's hard to say because I really Think that her singles from sweet kisses are Top tier but forever in your eyes Actually might be her best song from That whole era like it's again One of my highest played on Spotify I wish it had been a single I think She could have really slayed this and then there's a ballad on this album that she did with mark anthony who is basically a god to latin american people and like i said she had already performed for so many latin american fans on the ricky martin tour so it made sense to do like a little follow-up to that and gain more latin american fans and honestly mark was also a big part of that Latin craze in the late 90s so it was mainstream and it's an amazing song like it's a really really good song and there's other ballads on there that she could have released as well there was even a single cover created for one of the songs When You Told Me You Loved Me which is after There You Were which is the duet with Mark I think that's probably my favorite ballad on Irresistible and it's just a shame that they refused to release it I also think that There You Were would have been a good song to release after 9-11 because it deals with you You know, when you're going through so much and you're just devastated, that person in your life is right there for you to support you. And I think that – Maybe would have been a good angle Not to like use the tragedy To get more success I don't mean it like that I just mean like it could have been a comforting Song for more people to hear Because only the people that bought the album heard That song you know so doing it as a single I think would have been really powerful At the time and unfortunately the album Wasn't doing that well and the label just Had no interest in putting more money into It and continuing Jessica's journey it was just like oh let's just Throw it all away anyway here is what The critics had to say about *Eras*. this is a pretty positive one from the BBC. They wrote, this is her second album at the ripe old age of 21, and it covers all the bases. Shiny, digitally rendered funk, like on Irresistible and I Never, huge power ballads, There You Were and When You Told Me You Loved Me, and even a bit of gospel, namely His Eye is on the Sparrow. So that is... The only song on the album that is like so authentically Jessica because obviously it's a gospel cover and there's a whole choir on it. And it's just, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's just so completely different from everything on the album because, of course, the album wasn't Jessica. It was Tommy's creation. They continue, It's what you would expect, a mix of Britney, Christina, Mariah, and even Celine. In fact, Miss Dion's usual arranger is brought in to provide extra firepower for the ballads. It's like the one smart thing they did. The standout cut is Hot Like Fire, which sees Jessica get into Destiny's child territory. She's been cheated on by her man and gets appropriately annoyed on what is easily her best performance on the record. I very much disagree. I think Hot Like Fire is just, like, not good. Like, I remember liking it when I was a kid, though. I do think it's fun to hear Jessica in that context, but, like, is that what I think that they should have – went for with her? Absolutely not. They continue, The girl can sing, as they say in Texas, which incidentally is where she was brought up. To Fall in Love Again morphs from heavy duty ballad into an R and B tinged slow jam, showing maybe that there are other opportunities for Miss Simpson other than those on show here. What does she care anyway? The albums just got gold in the States. I actually think that they should have written about forever in your eyes which is totally r&b it's like a mid-tempo r&b jam and it's so painfully good like please pause this and go listen to forever in your eyes and then come back i'm not even kidding it's just like it's so good barry walters for rolling stone wrote jessica simpson sings dances and spouts scary quotes like a 50s b-movie actress doomed to trail in the path of true stars. ouch Her by-the-numbers 1999 debut Sweet Kisses made Mandy Moore seem underground. Okay, see, I actually disagree. I think that Irresistible is much more by-the-numbers than Sweet Kisses. Like, Sweet Kisses actually has some variation on it that makes Jessica a little bit more unique from the pack. Like, yes, there's a lot of songs that could have been on Britney Christina or Mandy's album and it wouldn't have made a difference, like, they're just pop songs but that whole era was just so much more authentically jessica and he just like missed that completely irresistible offers a slightly broader palette of plastic ballad and pop dance pastels imagination gurgles jump rope r&b at its most infantile courtesy of spice girls producer rodney jerkins Strip the Celine Dion schmaltz of When You Told Me You Loved Me down to its Spanish guitar, and you've got a decent babyface-type tune waiting to be set free. On Hot Like Fire, Simpson strains her debutante purr into a Pat Benatar-esque plea, both ridiculous and wonderful, over a bizarre melange of Missy Elliott electronica, Britney stage patter, and Paula Abdul synth horn blasts. But Hot Like Fire is the only fun, non-formulaic track here. The rest of the album needs some major remixing. With so many teen pop choices, this prom queen cyborg remains redundant and reactionary. (sighs) It sucks, but like, he's kind of right. I really enjoy Irresistible, the album. I really do. A lot of the songs on that, I listen to a lot, but it's just... Because they were trying to turn Jessica into Brittany, yeah, it was redundant and reactionary because they weren't trying to do anything new or ask Jessica what she wanted to do or focus on what made her special. They were only interested in copying Brittany. So like, of course, it would seem redundant because it's already been done. And it was done better by Brittany because she did it first for that era and she was such a trailblazer of that time. So... It's just – I wish they had just seen how big Brittany was and how there was no – duplicating it and just let her be let that be her thing and let Jessica have her thing and just stop this nonsense I also totally disagree I guess hot like fire was popular with critics it's not fun and non-formulaic actually it completely copies the whole thing that Britney did on Oops I Did It Again where she had the intros with the talking where she's talking on the phone one of them is Wade Robson one of them is Fee you know what I mean it they do that Phone call at the beginning with Ashley It's just it's so formulaic it's literally Like they just press play on Britney's album and they're like Oh she has a little chat with a friend beforehand To set up the story of the song let's do that Too it's just it's it's maddening Like it's so stupid Oh my god thank god Jessica Got to do what she wanted on her next album In the skin but that's not for this episode But we're gonna talk about that a lot so Don't worry from July to August 2001 Jessica went On tour with Dream Destiny's Child 3LW E and Nellie. This was the TRL tour and they did a big episode of TRL where they all were on it talking about being on the tour and honestly when you look at the set list this was really all of the other acts opening up for Destiny's Child. I don't even know why Destiny's Child needed this tour at this point but Jessica only did six songs as did Nellie and the rest of the acts got even less. So Actually this tour was a flop. It only sold out half of the venues that it traveled to and the ticket sales were kind of low. So I'm happy that Jessica wasn't on the tour for that long. And then she got to go on her own tour, the Dream Chaser tour. Which was supposed to go from August 7th to October 27th, 2001, but she only ended up doing 15 shows because a lot of them were canceled due to 9-11. The Dream Chaser tour was kind of weird. Like, I wish I went to it. I don't know why I didn't, but it was held in, like, parking lots in conjunction with carnivals. So when I learned that, I was just shook because why can't she just perform at small theaters if she can't sell out arenas yet? Put her in theaters. Why does she have to perform in parking lots? Like, I don't know. That's just like demeaning to me. It's, there were literally carnival games. Like people were playing freaking whack-a-mole and throwing darts at balloons for prizes before they saw Jessica, which actually sounds kind of fun. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, like, especially if you're geared toward a younger audience, like that kind of sounds fun. But at the same time, I just feel like it's, it doesn't really work. Like, why can't she just have a concert? Why does it have to be this other thing? Like, it almost feels like, they didn't believe in her enough to sell tickets, so they were like, oh, let's make it a carnival at the same time. Like, it just pisses me off. But there are a lot of pictures out there from this tour, and she had very Britney outfits. Like, it's just annoying what they <laughs> what they put her in. But at the same time, again, she's selling it. Like, she's giving. She's serving, you know? So it sucks that this tour had to be cut short, but little did she know, in just a few years, she would be... Doing arenas on her reality tour in 2004 So after Sony and Columbia gave up on Irresistible This is the end of 2001 Obviously what had happened on 9-11 was beyond words, right? And so this got Jessica interested in doing USO tours Which is something she's been passionate about ever since The troops love her She has... Visited them overseas many times and done a lot of performances and sent care packages She even had a soldier on her second christmas album singing with her I mean she has just really given back to a a lot of different people actually She later got involved with operation smile and many other charities So I think that was amazing. Like I think anytime you're going through a rough time in your own life, giving to others always improves things because at least you can feel good about that even if other aspects of your life aren't particularly going very well. But another aspect of her life that was going well was her relationship with Nick. So like I said, I'm going to talk more about that in a future episode, but in February 2002, On a boat in Hawaii, Nick proposed and they got married in October 2002 in Austin, Texas, And honestly, it seems like for most of 2002, she was basically just planning her wedding. She really didn't do a lot professionally, even in early 2003 before they started shooting Newlyweds, which was around like May of 2003. Jessica was basically just enjoying married life. I think she worked on In The Skin a little bit in 2002, but it was mostly just wedding planning and prep. And then spending time with Nick after they got married. Jessica really leaned into the whole bride thing. She even modeled wedding dresses for InStyle magazine in 2003, right before they started filming Newlyweds. And she also wrote a book called I Do. So she was working on that as well. You guys might remember the Newlyweds episode early on in the series where the book comes out and it kind of flops. I mean, I have the book because I think it's iconic. It's literally talking about one of the weddings that would shape pop culture history forever. So I... I enjoy the book. So, <laughs> I'll definitely be using a lot of that book for my Nick and Jessica pre Newlyweds episode. So, yeah, that basically brings us to the end of Jessica's career journey before Newlyweds because very soon MTV would come a knocking and Nick and Jessica would strap those microphones on and history would be made when Jessica asked a very simple question, and we will talk about that. <laughs> next episode it's another re-record I have two of Jessica's biggest fans in the world Derek and Amanda on who if you've been listening for a while you have to know them because they are iconic so get excited for that we recorded it already I can't wait for you guys to hear it and thank you so much for listening to my podcast in general a special thank you To those of you that have heard the original (laughs) first episode of my podcast and liked it and have been following me since then, Derek and Amanda are two of those people and I'm just so grateful for them and for everybody that has tuned into even one episode but the re-records are going to be even better than the original episodes that were posted so stay tuned for re-records stay tuned for entirely brand new episodes about Jessica, Ashley and a lot of the other pop culture figures that I cover and some that I've never covered before because we're going to have a new series soon so I am just super excited about everything coming to the podcast so thank you so much for listening thank you for all your support And I hope you enjoyed Leah's version. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capriamoon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessicast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessicast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessica Cast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.